Hello everyone, I bring greetings to you in the name of God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want to believe that all of you are doing well and greetings to Macedonians globally. It's always a privilege to come your way again at this time. Jesus taught us to pray by starting with our Father. And it's very vital that we always remember that God in heaven is our Father. Thank you for all the feedbacks and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, thank you for all of you that are participating in the mission school and uh, also sharing it and sending it to our brethren across the world. God bless you real good. Uh, it's a big pleasure to come your way again today. Last week, I I started uh, a discourse. Today, I'll be continuing from where we stopped last week. But before we do that, let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We bless your name. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. <coughs> be that exalted, be that glorified in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we begin to look at your word, uh, we pray that Holy Spirit be our guide. You are the greatest teacher. You are the greatest lecturer. Uh, let everyone who will be listening to this word receive a word from you. And for all our brethren in the field, our soldiers in the field, I pray bring, bring blessings their way through this lecture in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now the best you can do For us is to share this broadcast like I told you initially the challenge some of our brethren might be having in various villages where they find themselves is accessibility to network uh, a lot of them would have wanted to join us in this uh, lecture but uh, they are aware they cannot access network so the best you can do is Whichever way you want to do, try to convert the, you can convert the message and in such a format that you will be able to send it to them. The Bible said, uh, the Lord gave the world 
and great was the company of those that publish it. Now, receiving the word is not enough, but publishing the word is everything. Last week, we started this uh, weekend online mission school, which will be our second edition. And I want to say here categorically that for everything God has called you to do, it is very important that you receive empowerment on how to get it done. Jesus came to the world, he came from God, but God still kept him in the carpentry shop till he was 30 before the calling could be realistic upon his life. So, for every mandate God has given you, actually there is nothing new God is going to ask you to do that he has never asked others to do it. There is nothing new under the sun. Therefore, it is of utmost importance that when God has called you into a field, whichever field of endeavor to serve in the kingdom, you look through past uh, precedents of those who have done that. It's going to help you. And that is why we've taken it upon ourselves to bring this so close to you that you don't have to sit down looking for money to register in a mission school. Uh, all you just have to do is take your writing material and then sit in the comfort of your room and, and just write. Because it's going to help you so much. Uh, yeah. Even Daniel said, I understood by books. So understanding is very key to doing what God has asked you to do. And when God calls you into any field to function in the kingdom, don't be in a hurry to answer the call. Be patient enough to ask some questions. It's going to help you. Yes. So that is why we, I said, okay, uh, this second edition of the Mission School, we're going to make it accessible to the public so that everyone can benefit from it. And my primary calling is to amplify the importance of mission that is the aspect of truth i've been called and empowered to to do and i'm not telling you missions because i read from a book as a matter of fact it has become very difficult to write a comprehensive mission textbook because the principles of the environment varies from another so you can't really put down anything on mission that would be a standard rule because what is applicable in the north might not be applicable in the south so I'm just here to share my experiences through the Word of God, through guided books to help you uh, fulfill your mandate in the mission field. So we started by uh, looking at the Apostle Paul because he's the, he's the missionary to the Gentiles. And like I, like I want to remind you again, these lectures are going to be every Fridays and Saturdays till April. If God wants us to extend it, I will still let you know. And of course, at the end of it, if you want to get a certification from us, it is possible. It's possible we'll tell you how to do that and we email the certificate to you. But first of all, you have to look at all the lectures and then go through them. And then, of course, you have to pass the exam for you to be certified for that. Uh, it's not just passing, but you understanding the concept of what we are trying to pass across. Last week, Friday, we started with 
who is an ambassador and I also let you know that an ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by his home country to another country to represent the interests of his country in that country. And the Apostle Paul, the chief of missions, had given us that clue in Second Corinthians where he said we're ambassadors for Christ. And then I, I made it, I established the fact that every man called by God is an ambassador. And then of course we began to look at the diplomatic credentials that an ambassador must have. And one of it was, we talked about letter of credence. But before we came to letter of credence, I had to establish the fact that the president designates those who wants to be an ambassador in a particular country, but is not subject to him. There is separation of power. We have to send the name to the Senate. The Senate have to approve it. Yes, the Senate will have to approve it. And in some cases, a, a candidate that uh, is having identity crisis, the Senate may reject. Yeah. So by the time the nomination is done by the president, which I also let you know that as an ambassador, the president, number one, has to look at qualification. What is your understanding of international relations? And then number two, uh, what is your economic capacity? Have you done business outside your country before and how did it go? And then, of course, with the language, uh, do you understand them when they speak and all this? So then by the time you have been nominated, which I also let you know that, it, it, politics have come into it in a large scale where a president can decide, say, okay, so so and so person was a sponsor to our campaign, this is what has been doing, or my friend, or is my friend, and then decide to give you that post as an ambassador. So, one of the diplomatic credentials the president will have to give you is a letter of credence, which when upon arriving in the country you attend to, is presented and I, I try to demystify this. You can look at the videos. I don't want us to dwell there. But today we're looking at diplomatic immunity. That is one of the credentials of a, a diplomat. Now, if we're looking at it, we look at it in two formats. We have natural representative of a state and then we have uh, diplomats. But today we're also we're going to be looking at the diplomats aspect of it. Because when you talk about natural representation, representatives of a state, of course, this uh, comprise kings, queens, presidents, and foreign ministers. But we are not dealing with that natural representation. We are dealing with diplomats. And when we say diplomatic immunity, first of all, we have to define it. What does it mean? Uh, the diplomatic immunity, according to the dictionary, is the privilege of exemption from certain laws and taxes granted to diplomats by the country in which they are working they are working and then of course it's a form of legal immunity uh, yeah it's a form of legal immunity that ensures diplomats are given safe passage and are considered not susceptible to lawsuit or prosecution or prosecution i mean sorry or prosecution under the host country laws as an ambassador by the time you go through the entire process, the next thing that must come to you as one of your uh, diplomatic credentials is diplomatic immunity. 
is a form of legal immunity that ensures diplomats are given safe passage and are considered not susceptible to lawsuit or prosecution under the host country's laws. That's very important. Now, as one of your vital credentials, you have immunity. How was it agreed? Of course, I had to look through the Vienna Convention on Diplomats. That's 1961. As an ambassador sent to represent your country in another country, this is what happened. You have automatically been given exemption from taxation. No one can put any taxation on you. Secondly, your private residence, including the embassy environment, cannot be such. Cannot be such. It can never be broken into, infringed, or dishonored. Don't forget, we're talking about diplomatic immunity. These are the things that comes with it. And this was the agreed policies, which is governing the entire scope of this, uh, of, of, of countries. Ambassadors are exempted from tax in the country where they are representing their government. And their private residence, including the embassy, which is the vehicle through which they arrive that country, can never be broken into, infringed, or dishonored. You can't do that. An ambassador is not liable for arrest or detention. You can't arrest him or her. You can't detain him. Because from the moment, as a matter of fact, from the moment you become an ambassador, you don't carry an ordinary passport like others are carrying. Your passport has to be diplomatic. <laughs> so the Vienna Convention came on agreement and said, look, this class of citizens, this class of people that are sent to this country by their home country, must never be taxed for anything. You cannot break into their private residence or search it. You can't do that. They are not liable for arrest or detention. You cannot detain, you cannot detain him. As a matter of fact, if you do anything to any ambassador, it is regarded as international incident. And you answer for it. When they are traveling, it's also stated in the Vienna Convention that Diplomatic bag shall not be open or detained. But the condition given is that in your luggage, there must be a tack. 
diplomatic back. Diplomatic back. Mm -hmm. So because your country has chosen you and sent you to represent them in another country, all this comes with it. Diplomatic immunity. You cannot be taxed. Your residence and your embassy it cannot be such. It, it, it cannot be infringed into. We have a, a, a similar case where, where there was a shooting in the Libyan embassy at the UK some few years back that even a police officer was killed. The UK authority could not enter the embassy because it's against international law. They couldn't enter. Private residence through missions, invulnerable. You can't enter it. They couldn't enter, despite the fact that the police officer was killed in the event of the shooting, because the shooting came from the embassy. There was someone inside the embassy shooting, even killed the police officer. But the UK police and authorities, they couldn't enter the embassy because they would be infringing an international law. Because they signed it. It was a unanimous decision. So, as an ambassador, the day your appointment is certified, your identity changes automatically. You don't carry the same passport like others are carrying. You are exempted from tax. When you travel with your luggage, nobody has the right to open it because it's against international law. You are not liable for arrest or detention. You cannot call an ambassador to come and give witness in any court. They, they, that's, not, uh, that's not what they are called to do. <laughs> So they enjoy all of these privileges as an ambassador of their country. Now you are an ambassador of the King of Kings. This morning I was so excited when I got up and began to study the word. Every priest ordained, were ordained to function in the office, but when it came to Christ, God swore an oath and said, you are a priest forever under the order of Melchizedek. So I was so happy this morning that my only pastor for life is Jesus. He will never hand the priesthood to any other person. So you are an ambassador of the kingdom sent to this world as a pilgrim to represent the interest of heaven in your locality. Now, if the earthly ambassador are given this kind of immunity, 
that for the very fact that they have been appointed, you have to change everything about them. When they pass through the airport, they, they can't stand in the queue because they are ambassadors. You can't search their bags. In fact, by the time you, by the time you see diplomatic bag, you, you know that's something you should avoid. When they arrive the country, it, nothing like taxes on them. You can't infringe into their residence, not neither the embassy. You cannot do anything about them. You can't arrest or detain them. You can't say because they they overspeed you 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 want to act anyhow. He's an ambassador. If you touch him, <laughs> you are touching an entire country embodied in a human being. You are touching an entire country. That is why in international law is known as international incidents. Why did you touch him? You can't. Now, let's look at the spiritual implication. God called you and sent you forth as his ambassador to reconcile men back to him. So, how were you equipped? As an ambassador of the cross of Christ, you have immunity from every and any, any, any onslaught. It is a fact that soul winning is a kingdom hazard. Fine. But the Almighty already put your safety in place because he knows that the power that be will always want to show forth themselves. The first seal of your diplomatic immunity is God giving you additional angels to ensure your safety. I think there was one in one of my trips, I, I, I arrived a place in Nigeria, one of the most populous states, and I went to see one of my mentors. And as soon as the wife saw me, the wife said, What? Apostle, the angels that are accompanying you, I wish I'm the one doing what you are doing. Psalm 91 and verse 11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. To keep you in all your ways. To keep you in all your ways. In the kingdom, the number of angels assigned to you is based on the hazard level of the assignment you have been assigned to. Like in our physical world, when an ambassador is sent to a country, is pay which we are going to come. There are so many things we are going to come into. And I want to assure you, just follow this boat easily. Don't conclude yet because I'm going to touch some areas. And so many areas, in, in fact, <laughs> there's going to be some, some turbulence. But I assure you that we all land safely. Angels are assigned to you to ensure your safety. Yes. They are assigned to you to ensure your safety. Because you are an ambassador, you are valuable to God. In the book of Isaiah, it says, because you are precious to him, he will give men in exchange for you. So that's the first implication. 
in Matthew 26 and verse 53. He said, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will, he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? That's Matthew 26 and 53. What a great interest Christ had in the heavenly host. Legions of angels amounting to above, above 72,000. When you are talking of legions, it's 72,000 upward. Legions of angels. Jesus said, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? In Hebrews 12 and verse 2, he said, There is an innumerable company of angels. A detachment of more than 12 legions might be spared for our service, and yet there will be no miss of them above the throne. So as, as, as a heavenly ambassador, you have the immunity from every satanic onslaught. There's immunity. Angels are committed to your safety. There are so many they are committed to your safety. In Daniel chapter 7 and verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times, ten thousand times, ten thousand stood before him. Daniel 7 and verse 10. Daniel 7 and verse 10. The same way an ambassador passes through territories. And because of his identity and because of his diplomatic credentials, there's a law that nothing should touch him. You cannot call him to give witness in any court. That wasn't why he was sent there. So God has assigned to us, according to Psalm 91, that's just one phase. Angels to ensure that we don't dash our foot on the stone. Angels. They are martial in exact order. Like the well-disciplined legions. Not a confused multitude. but Not a confused multitude. All of them know their posts and observe the word of command. This innumerable company of angels are all at the disposal of our Heavenly Father and do His pleasure. Now, Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. They were ready to come into the assistance of our Lord Jesus in His suffering. If He had beckoned them to come. But He said, No. When the Israelites left Egypt to embark on the highway to the promised land, angels were with them both day and night. Day and night. Day and night. Angels were with them. One would become a pillar of cloud by day. Another would become a pillar of fire by night. Wild fire. To scare away wild animals from the camp of the Israelites. As an ambassador of the cross, called, certified, and accredited, you have immunity from demonic manipulations and even sickness.
Mark chapter 16 and verse 17 to 18. And this sign shall follow them that believe in my name. Shall they cast out devil? They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. And, and they shall recover. Now, if the world puts so much resources in making sure that the ambassadors are taken care of, what about the kingdom of heaven? I like to cite a, a typical example uh, to you about what I, I, we, are, we are discussing in Second Kings chapter six and from, and from verse seventeen to twenty. Elisha was a man God spoke to. Uh, he, he took over from his mentor Elijah, and 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 people could see that God was with him. The king of Aram one day became so angry and said, uh, and called all his armies and said, Who is betraying us? Because all of his plans, Elijah will always call his king and say, Look, this is what this man is planning. And then one of the servants of the king of Aram said, Look, <laughs> there is a prophet in Israel. There's a prophet in Israel. His name is Elijah. <laughs> Everything you say, even in your bedroom, he picks it. He, he, he picks it and tells the king. So the king sent people to he sent his military general to arrest Elijah. Of course. They surrounded the city just because of one man. They said they are going to pick him with chariots. Second Kings 6 and verse 17 to 20. And then when the servant of Elisha woke up and, and saw them, he said, <laughs> he, 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 he was panicking. And, and Elisha was not moved. <laughs> Look, see. <laughs> Elisha was not moved. <laughs> because Elisha knew what is happening, you know. And I'm saying this to the 21st century ambassador. This man did all this mighty exploit. And yet, they didn't even know Christ. They could only relate to his spirit. Because every aspect of the Old Testament, you always see Christ there. He's in every place. So the servant began to panic and said, what are we going to do? Are you not surprised that there was famine in the whole of Samaria? And instead of the king to call economists and think of how they can come out of the issue, he wants to kill Elisha. Those were the days where kings knew that for them to reign, the prophet has to orchestrate it. And the sustenance of the economy was based, was based on divine decision, not on worldly economic seculars. <laughs> And Elijah said, <laughs> he said, oh Lord, open his eyes. Open his eyes. Open his eyes. Open his eyes to see. Open his eyes to see. And when God opened the eyes of Gazi, he, he saw that chariots of horses and fire were surrounding the man of God. 
And this is what Matthew Henry has to say. He said the eyes of his body, that's Gehazi, were open. And with them he saw the danger. Then Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of his faith. That with them he may see the protection we are under. So his, his, his natural eyes were open, but that of faith were shut down. And God said, Elisha said, God, please open it. Let him see it. You know. Gehazi said, You sleep with grace, you wake up with grace, you eat with grace, and yet I don't know what you are doing. <laughs> Then <laughs> Matwendi went ahead to say the opening of our eyes of faith will be the silencing of our fears. When Gehazi's eyes were open, he saw chariots of fire and horses surrounding Elisha. Surrounding one man. And he became relaxed. My fellow ambassadors, you have spiritual immunity. You have spiritual immunity. You have it. And you might be like Gehazi, whose natural eyes were open, but spiritual eyes, the eyes of faith, were closed. And God had to open it at that same time and say, let him see. And when he saw the chariots of horses and, and fire all over the place, he, he calmed down. He, he calmed down. I told you one time I was in one of the northern states in, 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 in my home country when I was still there. I was with about 11 men in, the, in one hotel for different rooms. And so everyone, the meeting started with so much capacity from the one that was overflow. Men who prayed <laughs> in the hotels, different hotels. Anytime I go to check on them, most of them they don't know. Anytime I go to check on them, they are blasting in the Holy Ghost. They are, they are, everybody's on fire. Somebody is praying. We had a brother at that time when he's praying, one of his legs is always shaking. As, as he's praying, Men who <laughs> can move mountain, and then one of the days, one of my men was attacked, and myself too, as he was attacked, I was having the same experience. Soul winning is a kingdom hazard, but it's a very sweet work. Sweet. At the same time, 
he was under attack. Heaven sent me the signal. I said, oh, good. As the signal came, I started returning it back. And then it got to a point I said, come, I need a man of God who has a very strong interest in heaven because, see, no grace can survive alone. That's why we are interconnecting to help each other because the amount of energy I've been drained is going to take time to build it up. So, when you get into some kind of crisis, you beckon on an energy that is still in the reserve. I called this great man of God. When I called him, I said, sir, this is what is happening. I need your assistance now. I, I, I need your assistance right now. And then he prayed. He prayed. And the, the, the words of his prayers was, was amazing, but it has become part of my uh, theology. He said, Father, increase the numbers of angels to take care of these young men who left their comfort zone to propagate the gospel of the kingdom. As soon as he finished saying that, I could sense calm. I knew that there was some presence in the environment. I said, oh, Father, thank you. I've gotten the signal. As an ambassador, you have immunity against spiritual attacks. I, I, I'm going to address quite a number of issues because we're we going to take time to really deal with it. If an earthly ambassador sent by his country will be exempted from arrest, you can't detain him, you can't check his bags, you don't have any right to search his, you don't have any right to search his residence, neither the embassy, and if anything happened in the embassy, you cannot break in and enter. You can only enter to protect the ambassador and other diplomats there, but not to make arrest. And in most cases, the ambassador have to agree with you first. You cannot just infringe on their right. You know. The same thing with the kingdom. When Gehazi saw what was surrounding Elisha, he, he, he relaxed. He came down. What will you talk about the Apostle Paul? After over two weeks on a shipwreck, arriving at an island where they have gathered some woods and, and light up the fire so that they could heat themselves. A man that has survived such terror and God saved him. As a matter of fact, while they were in that boat traveling, the men couldn't eat. They started throwing away their cargoes. The mariners did all they could do. No way. The wind was against them. The sea was against them. And then, the, no way. But a man stood up, Apostle Paul, and said, God, in whom and in whose I am, Send an angel to me and said, Look, Paul, because you are in this boat, the boat, the boat, the canoe, or the ship, will scatter, it will be lost, but no life will be lost. 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 <laughs> no life will be lost. And he encouraged the men to eat. And actually the sheep got scattered. Everything got broken. 
and then some of them swim to the island. Why they are well in a place, the villagers were so kind to them. They gathered some woods and 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 told them to warm themselves. Other people in the boat that just got scattered, all the sheep, came to stand there to warm themselves. And the serpent was comfortable with them. But when a kingdom ambassador came to warm himself, the serpent said, good, this is what I'm looking for. Jump out of the fire on, on, his, on his hands. And then the villagers said, oh, this man, despite everything that he has escaped, justice is still not going to let him be. The apostle didn't say blood of Jesus. He didn't declare three days fasting. No. No. <laughs> he just shook his hands. He didn't, he didn't quote any passage of the scripture. He just shook his hand. You are an ambassador. Your protection and preservations is guaranteed. But do you even know? Because you can't lay claim over what you don't know. So I'm letting you know today that God in heaven designated you and he ensured that all the diplomatic credentials to make the work easy for you was given to you. But in most cases, you may not even know or be aware of it. Apostle Paul shook his hands. They didn't gather to pray for him. And then the people there were waiting for him to fall down suddenly and die. You mean die? And when they didn't see him for that only and died, they, they changed their minds. Ah, this. Huh. So I know you might be having a lot of questions in your mind. Will we address it by the grace of Step just one step at a time. So as a kingdom ambassador, you have immunity. They couldn't harm Elisha, they could not harm Paul. The serpent, whatever he released, that's his own problem. Uh, they couldn't do anything to him because knowing who you are and understanding who you are will help you to make the right demands. Praise the Lord. You are an ambassador. God called you and sent you on an errand. And then he ensured that the most important aspect of it, your letter of credence was in the box where you put it there for you. And then you were covered diplomatic immunity. What happens to others does not have any right to happen to you except you permit it. Angels are at your disposal. One certain day I was working about 16 years ago, I was working with a lady. We just closed from the choir rehearsals. It was late, and so no vehicle to take us back home. I mean, no uh, transport to take us back home. And a house was not too far. And then we were walking, and we are going. And then the road was so quiet. And then the lady said, Sam, see ya. He said, what if they kidnap us? I said, whoever kidnapped me kidnaps problem. Angels are here following me, and you say, kidnap me. Who will do that? <laughs> I'm an ambassador. 
I know my right. Child of God, you have diplomatic immunity. I mean the original one from heaven. That's why I said, you will take up poisonous and they will not harm you. Immunity. You got it. You got it. He said, you take up poisonous and it won't harm you. Is the immunity is the ability of an organism to resist a particular infection or toxin by the action of specific antibodies or sensitized white blood cells. When heaven sends you, you are equipped both on the spiritual and in the physical. Fear not. It's in the Bible. You will take up poisonous and you will not be hurt. As I begin to wrap it up here, if you are an ambassador and then the enemy has caged you with one challenge or the other, you have the right to demand what rightfully belongs to you. Mark chapter 16 and verse 14. Letter he approached, a letter he appeared to the eleven. I beg your pardon. As he sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now look at 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And then verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, this is that, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. We saw a typical example in the life of Elisha. They couldn't pick him up. He, he commanded blindness upon an entire army. Uh, what's that? He commanded blindness. And he was the one who led them to the king free of charge. He said, follow me. We saw in the case of the apostle. He, 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 he didn't need to shout. He just, he just shook his hands and and, and, and of it he just shook his hands what about this is what the master is saying in Matthew he said go I am with you always always I am with you always go you take up deadly things he said it won't hurt you I've been in mission fields that I needed to eat. But, but if I would have to look at the person serving me the food, I won't eat it. And I won't even go to where the food was prepared because I might throw up. 
But I had no choice. I said, Lord, as your ambassador, I'm in this place for so so and so time, and this is what they have. Therefore, let divine immunity become reality in my health. I take it. And that's it. God bless you. And thank you for your time today. Tomorrow, I'll be discussing the welfare of an ambassador. Same time. Do me and do us a favor. Share the video. The Lord gave the word and great was the company of those that publish it. You are an ambassador. An accredited diplomat sent by your home country to represent their own country in another land. And part of your diplomatic credentials was a letter of credence which you have to present to the head of state. And then automatically you have immunity. Automatically. You have both personal immunity and you have functional immunity. And this immunity is not just on you, it's on everyone that is connected to you. And if anyone there touches you, it has, it has become an international incident. In Psalm 105, he said, It took them from one nation to another, and for their sake, he rebuked kings. Saying, touch not, whether they are right or wrong, touch not, touch not my anointed, and do my prophet no harm. So, as, a, as an ambassador, learn to hold God with His word. It's, it's an eternal decree. It, uh, forever, Lord, your word is settled in heaven. You have immunity. And the immunity is touch not. Don't touch. Douglas of doing harm. <laughs> Don't. So as a man sent by God, I've been strongly immune. What happened to others has no business because has no business with me. He said, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Don't don't, don't touch. Don't touch. At one point, a, a certain king told his, his servant, he said, lay hands on the prophet and, and the hands with that. And, and he started telling the prophet, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't actually, I, I didn't actually mean that. Psalm 105, verse 13. When they went from one nation to, to, to another, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no one to do them wrong. Yes, he rebuked kings for their sakes. Verse 14. Saints 15. Do not touch my anointed once. And do my prophets no harm. So if God has called you, who, who can harm you? Anytime I was getting ready to enter all those zones, 
and go to preach the gospel. You see our, our, our you see our images all over, all over the social media. There, a lot of people are, are just spreading it. Ministers will call me and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. I say, God will go with you. No weapon that is formed or fashion against you will prosper. Hey, you are going to this place where there are religious extremists, where you could be killed. I beg your pardon. God will go with you and bring you back safely. <laughs> as I pray, I say, Amen. But, but when they are done with the prayer, I say, Sir, I appreciate you so much for your prayer. But I never watch a movie where the actor died. Uh, the actor doesn't die. <laughs> it's the boss that will die. I could go on and on and on. But I have to stop. My time is up. God bless you. See you same time tomorrow. And I pray for you. That what is rightfully yours, you will have the boldness to approach heaven and take it. The story of the prodigal sons, one was at home and never knew that everything the father owned was his, was waiting for the father's permission. I won't go further, but as we continue the mission school every weekend, there's so much to discuss in this kingdom work. And it is my responsibility to amplify what God wants us to know about missions. The Lord bless you. Greetings from all of us here. Macedonia Missions Global. Lord of his power with Apostle Willie.